Hello, and welcome to the Obsessed with Real Estate show. I am your host, Alana George, and I am obsessed with real estate. I'm really excited again for, I'm always really excited about the show, so that's not anything new. I'm really excited about today's show with Scott Jacobson with Onward Equity. He has been real estate investing on the side of his CPA job for 21 years now. He's straight out of college, started investing, and it's so exciting to see what the compounded time of just investing on the side looks like. A lot of my guests on here on the show are younger and still at the beginning of, of the journey of real estate, really of what they could tap into. And a lot of them are, are doing it full-time. And, and our guest today, Scott, he he gets into the numbers a bit. He is a CPA. So I did try to press him a bit more than other guests on numbers and kind of his take on things as a CPA. Numbers aren't really my thing as much. On this episode, he shares how he started with student rentals and scaled, scaled, got up to office buildings, and then started his passion project of housing cancer patients in downtown Indianapolis, and now is moving on to multifamily syndications. It's just such a cool journey. And he is so passionate about helping cancer patients and he goes into that. And it's a very touching story that you don't want to miss. So before we jump in and you hear all the good stuff, I just want to touch base, do a quick check-in. We're coming to the end of Q1 in 2023 right now. And I want to check in with you and ask, you know, rhetorically, I guess, because you can't answer, but how are your 2023 goals coming along? Your New Year's resolutions, have you fallen off or are you keeping on track, right? If you feel like you need a little bit of accountability, please reach out to me on Instagram, Alana George underscore real estate. I'd love to help you with your goals and at least have somebody to share the, this journey with. It's not always comfortable as sharing goals and real estate goals with friends and family. You have to be really particular who you share this kind of stuff with because it's very personal. Goals are very personal. On that note, I'm rereading right now the 12 week year, which I love. You can find in our show notes, a link to the copy of the book on Amazon. You'll be supporting the show, but if you want to get your copy reach out there on our show notes and that'll direct you to Amazon. And I love this book because it is very motivating in the planning process. And that's kind of what I'm feeling like I need right now. In the book, he emphasizes how important it is to plan your week. And this is something that I've been on for a couple years now. I really felt like my life had become overwhelming with the amount of things that I was doing. I'm, I'm definitely the type to overload, right? I want to do all the things all the time. <laughs> and, um, that's just not humanly possible. And I felt very overwhelmed. Like my days were dictating me. And if that sounds like you, like you're flying by the seat of your pants, every morning you wake up and you're flying from fire to fire, activity to activity, not being prepared for the things that are on your calendar or double booking even. Maybe that weekly plan is for you. So I started an accountability group that texts every Sunday our schedules for the week. And I, I care less what's in 
your schedule. I care what's less in their schedule. I care more that they're actually taking the time to look at their week and plan it out. Plan for what's important in your week. Look at what appointments you have. Look at, are you double booked? Are you making time for the education that you wanted to get this week? Are you making time for that the workouts that you meant to have, right? Are you making time for your family? What are you prioritizing in your week? Because let me tell you, if you're not living your life by design, you're living it by default. It's basically living you. And there's so many things that come up in our lives day to day that can run, run you, run you ragged, really. And so I encourage you to begin planning your week in advance. And if you need some accountability around that, there's still room in my accountability group. It's free. It's a weekly text. Reach out to me on Instagram, Alana George underscore real estate, and I can add you to that group. Everybody's welcome. So anyways, on to the interview. Okay. Welcome Scott Jacobson with Onward Equity. Thank you so much for being on the Obsessed with Real Estate show. Thank you for having me, Alana. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate it. Awesome. Let's jump in. You and I met through the Warrior Program we are both a part of, which is Rod Cleef's multifamily mentoring group program, networking, which is really robust and has a lot of members. We had our one-on-one and you had a really intriguing story. So I thought I have to get more information out of you and get all your tips and information. So feel free to spill all your success secrets so that we can follow you. Let's jump in, Scott. Tell me about what led you to real estate investing and your first deal. That's a good question. That takes it back quite a ways for me. It was for me, I found out that you could invest in real estate when I was, I think, 22. And I was just out of college, of course. And at my first job, my my mentor who was assigned to me at that time, I was working as a in public accounting. I'm a CPA by trade. At that point, it wasn't wasn't yet a CPA, but my mentor who's assigned to me when I got together with him, we didn't talk about accounting though. We talked about real estate because he was, and still is big into real estate. He had, I think he was managing at that point, close to a hundred single family rentals. And in addition to being a manager at a, a big four accounting firm, which is amazing in retrospect, but I remember riding around with him in a car and he would take me by some of the houses that he owned and he'd just kind of be casually nonchalant. Yeah, so that house is mine and that house is mine. And I got a couple down that street too. And, and I, my mind was just blown. Like, first of all, that that one person could own more than one house <laughs> was, was a, a shock, but also that he could be so casual about it. Like, I felt like at that point, if I had owned one house or three or four or anywhere close to a hundred, I would have been just like screaming and telling everybody like, holy cow, I, I did this. Shouting um, from the mountaintops. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so he was the first person that, that, that kind of helped me get my mind around the fact that it could even be done. And then the, the best thing that he did is suggest I read a book that many of your, probably most of your listeners have, have read. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <clears throat> and for me, having a background in accounting, the book it didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know, like on a technical level, but it it said it in a different way in, in a story-like fashion, right? And it it just, again, just kind of completely blew my mind. Like, he's absolutely right. I've been thinking about this and it, 
not the right way. That real estate really can be a path to what well, sound exciting at that point, but it, it can be a path to financial freedom or you know fin financial success. So at that point, I was again, I was just out of school working in accounting. So I said, all right, Mr. Mentor, I will. I'm going to pass the CPA exam first, and then I'll and then I'll read this book and see what happens. And I was just after I passed the exam, I read the book, and the first house that I purchased was actually a right next to campus where I went to school at Butler University in Indianapolis. And it was owned by the dad of a friend of mine who was just finishing up at Butler at school. So he only wanted out of it what he had into it. And uh, he was also willing, <laughs> I can't remember if it was my idea or his, but he was willing to write, make the contract for I think 10 or 15,000 more than what our handshake agreement was. So that afterwards he gave me a check for <laughs> Ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Now that is illegal. I do not recommend it. But I was, <laughs> I was young and dumb, right? So we did that, and there's a lot of trust in him. He actually did what he said he would. But that's how, the that check is the money that I put down for house number two, several months later. So that was how I kind of used creative financing, so to speak, to get the ball rolling. <laughs> that is awesome. So. Tell me about what you learned besides that it was illegal. What you, <laughs> tell me about I didn't know what it was learned. illegal at the time. <laughs> I, I swear. I know. I believe, I totally believe you because the questions <laughs> that I get as a real estate agent from people, I have to tell them all the time like, no, you can't do that. That's illegal. You can't pay this seller outside of escrow. You yes. can't. I had somebody ask like, oh, can we just band together with all the neighbors and decide on a price for our homes? <laughs> like, no, <you> can't <laughs> Probably not how the open market works. <laughs> no. Yeah, definitely illegal. So I, I, I totally get it. And besides that, which you probably found out years later, what did you learn from that first deal? That was my introduction to house hacking. So, well, it's the only time I've done it, but uh, I had some friends from school live with me and I was able to live pretty much rent-free. I gave them a pretty good deal. So I think I still contributed a little bit myself, but the main thing I learned is that this, that real estate investing is something I want to continue doing and want to grow with because I, I loved it. Not every single part. I didn't love when things go wrong, which they do a lot, but over time I was able to kind of build to know who to call when things go wrong. And that takes a lot of stress off for me as I don't have to have all the answers. I just have to know someone who does, or I don't have to be able to right. fix things. I have to know who does or who can. So I think that was the biggest thing I learned was that is something that I want to continue to cultivate and, and grow. And I've been doing ever since that was 21 years ago. Goodness gracious. I wish that I could <laughs> say that I started 21 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was just dumb luck that I did. I mean, like I said, I, I had no idea that someone could even do something like that until yeah. I just you know, it was, it was a random assignment of mentorship who I got assigned to. And it's, it's kind of crazy looking back like that kind of small thing led to a, a different career and, and certainly changed the scope of my life, I think. Yeah. You know, that's a kind of a common thread I hear with people starting out is that it was someone in their life, like a mentor or, you know, boss that kind of showed them the path or the way mm -hmm. that the fact that this can be done. And it's not, it's just wild that this isn't something that's taught. It's not 
in every home, right? It's really just like by word of mouth almost, which is why it's so important to give back. And the, the investing community gives so much, right? Of the knowledge and is very open about that and mentoring. And I just love that aspect of it. So hopefully this this podcast and this episode could be the light from, for somebody as well. So thank you for sharing absolutely. that. And you're absolutely right. No one, it, it's not a typical route, right? It's not taught in school. No one I certainly didn't have any classes about investing at all, let alone teach me anything about real estate. It's almost like uh, for a lot of people, you know, oh, it's it's not a stock or a bond. You know, I can't buy it with my 401k. I don't want it. It's got to be risky. Yeah. And I disagree with that, but it's because right. I've had the opportunity to, I think, learn otherwise. So. Wow. From a CPA background and, you know, vouching that real estate is the way to invest is really powerful, in my opinion. So For many reasons, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I agree. You want to talk about all of them? Probably not. We don't have time for all of them. That's the topic of another day. So, I mean, there's personal reasons and then there's financial reasons for sure. And you've kind of gone into a personal, you know, your why was that you were just seeking financial freedom. And I think that that was really wise of you at a young age, even right out of college, right? Because at that point, and correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't have your family yet, right? So- Definitely correct. Yeah, I was single. Yeah, single, planning- that's like way planning ahead where a lot of people fresh out of college aren't really, you know, or at least the ones I hung out with (laughs) that, like wanting to be financially secure for, you know, their family or future family that are not even born yet. So kudos to you for that, for big picture thinking. And so, so you bought that first deal that led to having cash for the second and, and then where did you go from there? Take us to where you are in your portfolio today. Sure. So the, the first, the first probably 10 houses I bought, give or take, were all around the university. So student rentals. And again, that was just dumb luck. I mean, that's where I went to school. That's where the first house kind of fell in my lap, but it didn't take long for me to realize that that was a pretty neat area to invest in because students, when you can have three or four or five unrelated students live in there together, they can combine and, and they'll pay more than, you know, one, one family with, with two kids. So having that being physically close to those, it made it easy. And since then values around there have kind of gone through the roof. So it, that worked out well too. <laughs> Again, just, just dumb luck. And then I've branched out a little bit to some other houses single family and duplex around Indianapolis, other parts of the city with what I call real people as tenants and not students. But then let's see, 2016, I think it was a contact that I had my insurance agent randomly sent me a flyer for a small multifamily, an apartment, 14 unit that was, he he knew about that was for sale at another university in Indiana. I drove up there, took my contractor with me and said, that night, like we got to put an offer. This is awesome. So that was unit kind of my first jump into the multifamily realm, which at that point, that was certainly the biggest anything I had purchased both from dollar. It wasn't even that super high value property, but it was the biggest unit count in dollar so far, but just felt like the right thing to do. So let me, let me stop you. You bought that by yourself. And at that point, were you familiar with running the numbers on a building that size or were you just using the same formula as you were using for single family? 
That's a good good question. So I definitely, whatever I know now, I knew a lot less then. <laughs> so there's probably, there is a lot more analysis that could have gone into it at that point, but I knew what I knew, which, which wasn't all that much, but I knew it was a great property and a great location, great looking property and great location. It, it was not necessarily a value add, which is kind of what I look for now to be able to increase the value. It was pretty well stabilized and just a, a, a nice property. So it seemed seemed like a risk worth taking. And, and over the years, it's I actually just sold that in let's see, earlier 2022. So when it's all said and done, it turned out to be a good, good deal for me. That's a good awesome. learning experience as yeah. well. Do you care if you remember to share any of the numbers on that? That was, let's see, I think I bought it for like 300, put like 75 into it and sold it for 600. Wow. So said not a, not a, a super, you think 14 units, you don't think that small in numbers generally. Right. But yeah, that, that was that one. <laughs> well, looking at the time that you bought and where you're buying it, I mean, everything makes sense. And yeah. surprisingly, it wasn't a value add, which for our listeners that don't know, when we say value add, it means basically it needs like fixing or, you know, maybe it's being mismanaged so you can manage it better and streamline some the, the costs as far as like making it worth more. When we say value add, it's just an easy way of saying it needs help. This help. one wasn't, wasn't <clears throat> on the outside, you know, appearing to be a property that needed help, but you were still able to add a lot of value. And you, would you attribute that to just the market? Partly market, partly because we did over time, over the, you know, the next six years or whatever that was, I did end up fixing up things and was able to kind of push rents and, and make it nicer than it had been. So that I'd say both of those, those are the two biggest factors, which in general usually are the biggest factors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Cool. Well, congrats on that. What a win. So is that, I mean, obviously you'll tell us where you went from there, but that would definitely, sure. I feel like ignite something to pursue those bigger properties. That was the first kind of spark. Yes. And then, uh, so that was, I think 2016, I bought that. And then again, just kind of fell in my lap. It was the the broker who I worked with on that sale also had roughly, call it a year later, had another property up for sale that he was listing in Indianapolis, which has happened to be another 14 or 16 unit that was also at that time, they're looking for a million dollars. And at that point, again, mind blown, how am I going to do this? little old me can't do this type thing. And so I had to get creative because I toured it and it was beautiful property. It was a historic building and, and a great location, downtown Indianapolis. Ended up actually brought my dad in as a, to help with the down payment. And he had some dollars that in savings that he was making virtually nothing on. So he said mm -hmm. he wanted to make some interest on it. I said, all right, dad, you can put down the down payment. I'll pay you interest only on those dollars. So kind of an annuity for him just to get monthly cash flow. So I was able to buy that building a million dollar building with, with no dollars out of my pocket <laughs> that oh came out of his pocket uh, and the well, bank I, was fine with it because he signed on the loan and he's, he was officially part owner. Part so it worked out well. Yeah. So I love that you saw this opportunity and you said, how can I do this? You didn't say I can't do this, or I can't wait till I have the ability to do this, or someday I'm going to do this. You said, how can I do this? And I think that that is so important with you know, taking on bigger risks and growing and with real estate investing and scaling. And so you, you were able to get into that. That was a million dollars. And that was more the biggest purchase thus far. And you said it was about 14 to 16 units as well. 
Correct. Yep. And that's how I got helped up by the market or for the next, I think a year and a half later, I got approached by a new broker who happened to live across the street. He asked just kind of cold calling as brokers do uh, if I'd be interested in selling it. And the first probably four or five times he asked me that question, I said, no, but here's the information you just asked me for, you know, I'll give you some financials or I'll give you the rent roll or whatever, but I'm not interested. So that, that conversation kept continuing. And eventually I did end up selling it. And I rolled, I did a 1031 exchange, which is another trick of real estate. You can't do that with stocks and bonds. Right. 1031 exchange into an office building also near where I live. Which go ahead and quickly explain a 1031 for our listeners. Sure. So kind of unique to, to real estate is the opportunity to take, sell an asset and then trade it for what the IRS considers a light kind asset, which in real estate, it just has to be additional real estate, but it doesn't have to be the same kind of real estate. It can be a house for an apartment or an apartment for an office building or for a warehouse or even a parking lot or parking garage. I think those, those would all fit the definition of like kind, but what that lets you do is defer taxes. You can push forward the the capital gains taxes that you would otherwise have to pay the IRS. So you can take a lot more dollars and apply them to the new building. The trick is that you can't take any of those dollars in cash out of your or into your pocket at the time of the sale. It has to go through a third party intermediary. They hold the funds and then you literally just swap one asset for the next, but the next asset by definition has to be bigger or more valuable than, than the one you gave up. But it helps you get in there for, you know, perhaps no money, no more money out of pocket. Perfect. I wanted to hear how a CPA would explain that instead <laughs> of myself. <laughs> How'd I do? Did it sound okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did good. I was a little nervous you were going to go too far into detail, but that was a good like high level overview of a 1031 exchange and how you can use it to get by bigger and bigger or more and more properties and defer your taxes on that. What would your tax bill have been if you didn't 1031? Two or $300,000, I think. So you were able to put off paying two or $300,000 and buy something bigger from that. So that's just the power of the 1031 exchange and why S investors love it so much. Okay. Time in. Back to the store. So yeah, so now I actually still have this office building and it's, I guess, still to continue using real numbers, say two and a half million dollar office building that has cash flowed well for now for five years. And again, I started with (laughs) no money out of my pocket, right? To buy the first, the first property that I exchanged for this one. So Again, I don't think you can do that with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, right? That's that's kind of specific to real estate and one of the many reasons I love it. That is wonderful. I feel like this, your journey, it's like textbook of scaling, right? Of reusing money, doing the 1031 exchange into bigger property, just buying whole, buying and holding it for X amount of years. And that's the appeal that brought me into real estate investing as well. But thinking about the amount of time it takes, (laughs) I was like, it's a little bit discouraging, but Uh where you're at, you're still plenty youthful. You are active in real estate investing. And it's really cool to hear like such a success story and, and you being so humble about it. Tell me about that office building that you 1031 into. So do you lease that to multiple tenants or one? And is that you know, a triple net lease. There are six total tenants. It's a, it's like a professional building. So there's a law firm, there's a big hospital a network here in town that has an office, a couple of like physical therapy offices. So let's see, it's 
I inherited some leases. A couple of them were at least partially, I think, double net, not triple net. Since then, we've we've redone, extended some leases, signed some new leases, of course. But we've just kind of done whatever we've been able to do at the time with with the tenant, kind of what the market will will allow us to do. Right now, I think we're working on more gross numbers rather than triple net leases, but they're still good. <laughs> they're still good. Still working out numbers wise from going from single family to then apartment complexes to now this office building. Was there any fear in changing the asset type and the type of tenants? I mean, you actually started with students and then moved on to real, <laughs> real people. <laughs> yeah. Real people. Sorry. Sorry, students, but like families and people working and professionals and then, and then the multi-units, which are different tenants than single family. You know, you have families that take care of homes as if they're their own. And then you have apartment tenants who live in them like their apartments, right? We've lived in apartments. It's obvious it's not yours. You can right. treat it however. So right. going to now, you know, these businesses that you're releasing to, was there any kind of fear around this growth or, or is that not even part of your makeup? That's a great question. Very valid question. For me, I think it's, I don't know what I don't know. And it's all exciting because it's <laughs> because it's real estate and other people do it. So why can't I? I guess was was at least subconsciously that was yeah. my thought process. So no, I don't. I wouldn't say that there was fear. There was certainly unknowns, and there was like you said, what I said. How am I going to do this? But it was it was the how am I going to do it? Not why should I or why can't I? And I just <clears throat> I guess I've just always thought of it as a natural progression. I, I'd like to get bigger, and I'd like to scale up a little bit. And the nice thing about those more commercial properties is that I have hired a property manager to manage the day-to-day -day stuff so that I'm not the one taking the phone calls when things go wrong, or I'm not the one that's having to worry or stress out about leasing. Let, let somebody else worry and stress out about it. At least I hope they will, because that's what I'm paying them to do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of seeing other people doing it and knowing that you can do it, having that confidence and a little bit of ignorance as well is what I hear. I accept that. Yes. My ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> I, grow I, with, I grow with it. Yeah. And, and ignorance can be bliss sometimes. And I don't mean, I mean, obviously ignorance has like such a negative connotation to it. And I don't mean it in a negative way, but I've shared this before, you know, getting into podcasting, getting into getting my real estate license. I was a bit ignorant in the amount of competition and the amount of people that are doing it as well. Had I known, maybe I would have been fearful or felt like there made a bit of a voice in my head saying I couldn't do this, but I just was like, this is what I'm doing. Here I am hundred percent. And it sounds like a little bit of that was going on with each asset class that you scaled into. So from the office building that you turned 31 into, how has your portfolio grown and is, or is this where you're at today? So the other thing I didn't touch on is that about the same time, I think 2016, I was also introduced to the world of being a, a limited partner or a passive investor in other people's real estate deals. And honestly, at that point, 2016, I'd been doing active investing in real estate for about 15 years at that point, but I literally had no idea how does someone buy you know, a 100-unit apartment building or a 30-unit apartment building or anything bigger than 14? You know, I still, I, I, I still was kind of had these limiting thoughts, I guess, and, and maybe not just even limiting, but just like, how does it happen? How yeah. is it even possible? I had no idea. So at, the, at about that time, 2016, I was introduced to that world of 
that it does exist. It's not some nameless, faceless corporation, and you don't have to be Donald Trump or anyone else in that mm-hmm. you know scale in order to buy apartment buildings. It's more normal people teaming up with other normal people, and together they kind of do abnormal things, right? Which to me that was definitely abnormal is buying these these larger assets. So at that point, being a numbers oriented person, I kind of ran the numbers, and I also and I figured out like, you mean I can get almost the same returns and I literally don't have to do anything. I don't have to do the work. I can you just find people that I trust to do the right things with with my dollars and I can diversify my portfolio that way. Also, you know, I, I don't want to give up the, the active investing side. I enjoy it. I really do. I love it. But from a diversification standpoint, like th- this was another like mind blown kind of scenario, like opened up a whole new realm of investing possibilities for me. So since then, I've, I've definitely been active in, in that realm as well of, of the limited partner or passive investing side, which I I think your investors or your listeners are probably at least somewhat aware of, of what that world looks like. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I've had I've had a few people on that have talked about investing in syndications and hearing that you started off as a limited <laughs> partner is really cool because you got to take advantage of the whole syndication process and the whole investing world in syndications. And my next question was going to be, why did you choose that? Even though you're active and and you kind of already spilled that beautifully of why it (laughs) made sense for you. If you don't mind me asking, how did those perform? Really well so far. I'm still, over the years, I think I've invested in that way passively and 12 or 13 different opportunities. Only a handful of those have kind of come full circle already because at that time, what I was used to was new construction. So they were by death or by business plan, longer term projects. So, but the ones that have kind of come full circle and and sold have been fantastic. And it's been, you know, a, a great addition to the investment portfolio. And it's, it's, it's so neat when, when, uh, get an email saying, Hey, this sold here's here, here comes your big check. <laughs> Thanks for helping us make it happen. I'm like, Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we do it again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's next? Where should yeah. I put this? So, so many questions running through my head. So again, from the background that you have, would you say, you know, hearing it from your mouth that investing as a limited partner in deals and syndications with people that you trust, which is key, was a better investment of that money than any other thing that you can think of or, you know, stocks or bonds, the other options that are typically out there for people. So, you know, most of what we all hear about is, is our 401k and our IRA and our brokerage account to where you can get stocks and bonds and mutual funds. I'm not an investment manager, but I don't trust the stock market any further than I can throw it. <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't. I think it's too easily manipulated. And I think that, you know, for me, there's there's more exciting and, and I honestly feel better numbers-wise options available. And, and that's what real estate has been for me over mm-hmm. the years. I wouldn't talk anybody out of actively investing in real estate. For me, it's, I love it. It's, it's kind of who I've become and, and what I enjoyed doing more so than my real job. I do still have a, a real job, a W-2 job. But for the amount of time that's involved, which is pretty much zero, I think being a limited partner is an incredible opportunity because, again, you get to take advantage of people who, well, you said it, Alana, you got to find someone that you trust 
that you fully trust and believe in is going to take as good a care as possible of your hard-earned dollars as possible, knowing that real life still happens and not every business plan is fulfilled, right? Exactly as as envisioned. But you find a good sponsor and then let them go to work. They they are people who are focusing their time and efforts and stress on managing these assets that that you've at, at that point chosen to invest in. So I would say that's I would recommend that to anybody with investable assets because it literally doesn't take any of your time. <laughs> it just takes dollars. You can you can still focus your efforts on your day job or other active investments. But for me it was a great way to kind of diversify, still stay within real estate, but go into different different cities or different asset classes mm-hmm. still within the real estate umbrella, which again, I, I think gives so many different advantages that other options do not. Right. Like tax advantages. I've been hearing, you know, and t- we talk about that all the time. We actually did a cost segregation webinar that I will be, if I haven't already be putting up as an episode as well with a cost segregation specialist so check out that, but also a technical question I have for you because you've gone full cycle as a limited partner, maybe you can share that money that you get back. Is that also subject to capital gains? It's, it's yeah, capital gains, okay. which for anyone who has a choice, you want to pay capital gains tax versus ordinary income rates, ordinary income rates, what you get from your job, your W-2. Right. And, and those rates are generally higher than investment earnings. So that's actually very much benefit taking earnings from investments like this because they're taxed at a much lower rate. Okay, cool. Thanks for clarifying. Appreciate that. And so current portfolio, you've invested in a lot of syndications and you have that office building. If Let me know if I'm missing anything, but I'd love to hear about what are your current challenges where you're at right now? So where I'm at at right now, you in the intro, Alana, you mentioned that we met through the the Warrior program, which is something that I joined in late 2021. And it's because for years, my mind had been going again, I had, I had been investing as a limited partner in these larger deals for a long time. And for years, I had been thinking, you know, why can't I be on the other side of that as, as well on the, the general partnership side, which is the, the team that actually actively manages those that real estate and joining this group that that we both have is is what I finally came to say, you know, I need someone that knows more than I do because there's a lot that I I knew I knew that I didn't know what to do next. So ever since joining that, I've been focusing a lot more on working with working with some teams to be on the general partnership side, which is going out and actually sourcing these deals, managing them, finding investors. And ultimately my goal is to, you know, to make this an option that's for even more people to educate other people that this option even exists to invest in this way. Because again, until six years ago, seven years ago, I didn't even know it existed either. And I'd been doing real estate for 15 years at that point. So I know there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from that, whether they know it yet or not. (laughs) Yeah, that is amazing. And you're right. It's like this weird, like (laughs) I want, I, I want to use the word secret, but nobody tries to keep it a secret, but just the way that the laws are written, right. With the sec, it, it's not as publicly known this way of investing. I mean, people like Grant Cardone are definitely shedding a big light on, or a lot of light on syndications. But the first time I had heard of syndications, I was, and this is going to sound really weird, (laughs) 
not braggy. I don't mean this as braggadocious. <laughs> I was 24 on a train back from Machu Picchu in Peru. Oh, I want to go there. <laughs> well, yes, it's beautiful and amazing. And unless you're in amazing shape, like I don't like to use the word shape because I feel like I'm in decent shape. <laughs> shape if everybody has a shape but like endurance and you know my heart just could not take hiking up the mountain so take the bus if you don't actively <laughs> work out because I definitely don't or have any cardio strength so that's my tip on Machu Picchu anyways I was on a train back from Machu Picchu and I happened to sit, sit next to the like vice president of a huge bank I'm not gonna like go into details on who but I asked him because I was really like into finally like wrapping my brain around like I need to focus on on getting myself you know financially in a good position and I asked him what he was investing in in he said a whole lot of things I mean he's the vice president of a huge bank but I said real estate tell me about real estate <laughs> studying to get my license at the moment to for my sales license so and he said syndications and obviously I was like, what is that? And he might as well have said something in Chinese. I had yeah. no idea what he was talking about. He said, you know, investors group money together and there's people that buy. He's, he gave the example of like shopping centers or strip malls, right? That that was what he was investing in in the time. I mean, this was a while back ago. It was like 11 years ago. And so it was like market was different, but, and I just thought like, what? a concept like mm -hmm. you don't do anything he's like no I don't have time to manage that like I have my my job and family and stuff and so I could not be believe the words that were coming out of his mouth and it, it stuck with me but not enough to like investigate it because I, I couldn't even remember what it was called I just remembered people that have a lot of money group their money together and then buy big commercial stuff. Like that was the first time I had heard of it. And it was by chance and it was getting myself out. I was so far outside of <laughs> my bubble of growing up in, in order to hear something like that. So like making it more accessible and bringing it, which is part of what we're doing, bringing it to the masses of, Hey, this is a way to build generational wealth. And it's not just for the ultra wealthy or ultra high income is so it's so important. And that's like, I feel like a mission that we definitely share and share within the group. So yes, so back to you, but challenge with that is what I'm hearing from you is just learning. There's a lot to learn when you're on the GP side. There's a lot to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it's, you know, for my, just over the years, I've, I've always kind of, I don't know what I don't know, but I know that I need to know more. So it's, it's kind of been trying to figure out oh, who can I learn from next or, you know, how can I learn whatever I need to learn next? So try to find a way to get over that hump of, you know, all right, and I feel like I'm stuck here, but let's yeah, figure out who I can learn from next. Because there's a lot of people out there and, and you've said it, like there, there's no secrets. This is amazing. What's the term? It's an amazing culture. You know, everyone I feel like has, so many people have the abundance mindset. Like I've been wherever I am because people have been willing to share their time and their knowledge with me. And, and I, I absolutely would love to do that with other people. And I think that's, that's the kind of the norm, at least that I found within a lot of the real estate circles is people want to share what they know. It's, it's not a, you know, if I tell you how to do it, then that means that's going to hurt me. It's more like, Hey, let's, let's both win. It's not competitive. It definitely 
everybody has a spirit of growth, like personal wanting to grow and, and get better and better. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the community as a whole c- competes against themselves. It's not against each other. And it's, it's very open like that. Non-competitive is the only way I can think of describing it. So next, I want to hear about a brag. We don't always get to toot our own horn. So tell me something that you're especially proud of. Could be big, could be small, could be real estate, non-real estate. A couple of different things come to mind. One, one kind of goes off with something you just said that kind of put the spark in my mind. But one of the things in my, the reason that I, have always wanted to have more, say, financial freedom is because what I value more than that is is time and having time freedom. And how I love to spend my time is a, with my family and friends, but I love to travel and explore new places. I've been to one of the things that I, I made a, a dream list when I was probably 25 and it was to get to 40 countries by the time I turned 40. I'm I'm over both of those now, <laughs> both the, the number of countries and the age. So that's been an incredible journey. But again, just to, to what you sparked in my mind, Alana, was so one of the trips, it was a long time ago, almost 20 years ago, but went to Tanzania in East Africa and, and walked up Mount Kilimanjaro, which is the highest point in Africa, 1,400 feet. And literally like three days after that, we were scuba diving about 100 feet below sea level off the coast of Zanzibar's and islands there. So in terms of a lot can happen in three days, that that's my oh my gosh, my example to go. You could totally hike Machu Picchu, no problem. Me, on the other hand, I was dying. I was dying. I (laughs) well, like I said, it was about 20 years ago. So I'd like to think I still could, but who knows? (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure that you're probably cardio-wise still in pretty good shape. That is really cool. And 40 countries before 40 is amazing. That is so cool. So congrats on that. I would be really proud as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. It's a lot. It's it's one of my passions. That and real estate, besides my family. (laughs) Those are my two outside outside the family passions. Besides those three. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your biggest inspiration, whether it's a person or a place or something that happened. What has inspired you the most to keep you going? Two things come to mind. I think one is the mentor that I alluded to earlier. I still we still ended up partnering up a little bit as well. And we still own a half dozen houses or so together here in Indianapolis. But in terms of inspiring me to think bigger and to think about things that I'd never thought about before, absolutely, I would have to put him on the list. The other I, I would like to share that one of my good friends is somebody that my wife used to work with when they were both teachers. And this was in 2012. She was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and went through, obviously, a big ordeal trying to get rid of that. And the way that she has gone about doing that, both on a personal level and with her faith, incredible, incredible inspiration, just as as the way a person should be. And that's also, I think, what's led to maybe another story I'd like to share to an idea of something good coming of something bad. Because my wife and this other person, Tiffany, they used to job share. They were both fourth grade teachers, kind of like half day every day. And it was towards the end of the, the school year that Tiffany was diagnosed. And of course, she took off right away and, and was going through treatments. And then my wife, Denise, finished the school year and then pretty much devoted all her time to shuttling Tiffany around to and from appointments, getting groceries, doing just, just being a good friend. 
And Denise, my wife, was trying to figure out, you know, as the summer went on, all right, am I going back to teaching full time now without a, a partner? What am I going to do with my life? You know, we're 30 at the time, give or, give or take. So, that, all right, too young to retire. What are we going to do? And she was volunteering downtown at the Ronald McDonough House one day. And, and she just kind of asked, what kind of need do you see that doesn't being met? And they just, someone just kind of made an offhand comment. Ronald McDonough House is for children who are patients undergoing cancer treatment or just who are sick and need help. It's for the parents to stay there, but it's for the children who are patients. And this person said, you know, we get adults calling here quite often asking if we can, if they can stay here and oh, we feel bad. We have to tell them no, because it's for, it's not for adults, but we don't have a good alternative to tell them to go to instead besides a hotel, which downtown, any big city, it's expensive, plus you have to pay for parking, plus you have to go out to dinner all the time. So that became a talking point later that night and a light bulb just kind of went off in both of our heads. Maybe that's what you can do next. Let's let's buy a house and let's open it up to cancer patients. Cancer was near and dear, near and dear to our heart at that point, still is, because of Tiffany. So it, it became a, a very easy transition, you know, having already done actively managed real estate for 10 years at that point, you know, buying a house didn't sound so scary. Mm -hmm. We didn't know anything about running a hospitality house, <laughs> you know, what that meant, but sometimes not knowing what you don't know is, is bliss, right? It's a blessing. So we literally just every step of the way, all right, we got to file with the IRS. We want to become a, a 501c3 charity. How do we do that? All right, we got to buy a house. Let's, how do we do that? Or not, how do we do it, but what are we going to buy? And then, all right, then we got to spread the word about this charity to to raise money because we need to fix up the house that we just bought and long story short that is now we're having our 10-year anniversary for that wow. it's called the sun foundation s-o-n sun foundation wow and we're we've provided over right at seven thousand nights of lodging for our guests in in those 10 years since since it's been open so that was kind of a long answer to a question about <laughs> tiffany being inspiration because she's still going very strong she's had a couple of relapses, but again, just the way that she and her family have, have handled that journey and, and brought a lot of us along with it or with them. They're on our board of, of directors for the Sun Foundation, helping to, again, kind of make lemonade out of, of the lemons that that they've been going through. So it, it's we've been able to serve a lot of people and it's, it's amazing getting the feedback of people that say, I don't know what I would have done without this. Oh my God. Saints. <laughs> that is so cool. I love that. Everything about it. Tell me about, so the services you provide is housing, right? Beds for people that are going through cancer and is, is, are you charged for that? Is, is food included? What, what else, what, what all do you do for these people through the sun? Sure. So it's, it's a, uh... Well, we ended up buying, it's a, it's a six bedroom, four bath house and it's perfect. It, it was kind of built as a duplex, as a double, but it was never used as a, as a duplex. So on the first floor, there's a lot of open space, common space, which is perfect for the use we wanted. But on one side, there's a kitchen and the other side kind of mirrors that it's two offices. So we made one, our office and one's available for guests. Um, the concept that we came up with uh, originally was kind of have, again, these six bedrooms. We, we created one for a, a resident assistant who lives there full-time, but they can obviously go into their room and shut the door if they want to be private, if they want to kind of take comfort in the community that's around them and share their stories with others and, you know, create some, some bonds there of, 
people going through kind of at a low point together. They can do that in the common areas as well. And we've never charged for it per se. The first several years we did have a suggested donation of $15 a night, but we didn't check if anyone paid that or not. I think our average, what we got was four or $5, which that was never our, our goal. Right. And for the last handful of years, we've, we've just taken out that wording altogether. We don't charge for it. So we, we run off donations and we've always, we've, we've never had a problem. It's been a huge blessing for us, for us to be able to kind of give back that way or to create that environment to, to share and, and kind of be a, a safe haven or a port in the storm for people that, again, they're, they're at not a good point in their life. Right. But, mm-hmm. but if we can just kind of be that, that refuge for them, if the house can be that, then it's amazing. Yeah, that is so touching and congratulations on 10 years. That is huge. Well, definitely, if you have more information on how people can donate or, or get information, just on that or for the themselves or loved ones. What an inspiration. I'm so glad that I asked you that question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love talking about Sun Foundation because I, I think that's that that's something that's that's bigger than me. That's bigger than all of us, I think, is unfortunately most of us know somebody. If if we haven't been directly affected, we've been indirectly indirectly affected by by cancer and and I I hate it with a passion. It's the only thing I really hate <laughs> is is uh, is the the c word there, cancer. So yeah, and it can be uh, very devastating. Yeah. And kudos yeah. to you again for taking action, right? Hearing the need and actually doing something. I think that that takes a lot. It takes a lot inside of somebody to actually put the pen to paper and you know take action, especially as much as that. I feel like hearing your journey this far, and then also what you've accomplished with the Sun Foundation, like I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be successful in everything and anything that you do because of (laughs) this mindset that you have of anything is possible. I just will figure it out as I go, which is, which is so brilliant to have. And I think sharing that even mindset is a huge gem that you're providing to the community, your community, the listening community. I love this mindset and I want it to be like my thought process for the, (laughs) I'm going to put it up somewhere right here is that anything is possible. Just just move forward, take the next baby step and the path will show you its way, right? If you're going in the right direction. So that is really beautiful. On that note, do you have any kind of like book recommendations or podcast recommendations, stuff that you use to, you know, maybe get in that mindset? Podcasts, I would recommend Obsessed with Real Estate. <laughs> Finally, I'm just <laughs> show that you are on. Just you mentioned books, so there's a couple of books that come to mind. One of them I recently reread. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think is a, a fantastic book for just kind of us you know, how to communicate better, more effectively with people. And it turns out it's not necessarily more about us; it's more about the other person. <laughs> so taking the time to listen a little bit more, and uh, rather than talk is, is all the time and just kind of learning how to, how to relate to others. I think that book is fantastic. It's not a new book at all, but it's, it's a, it doesn't matter the age. It's, it's a fantastic book. Yeah. The other book I've recently finished is called Who Not How, which was great for me because a lot of times I get stuck in the, well, how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to do that? You know, it doesn't, it's not a wall. It, it doesn't keep me from going forward, but 
that book kind of helped me figure out that I don't need to know how to do everything. I just need to know who does. So that's kind of an outsourcing or hiring someone else to take care of the things that I'm not good at. And there's a lot of good things, a lot of things that I'm not good at. So it's kind of recognizing that, that I can probably spend my time more efficiently over here if I can hire someone else to take care of what's over here, that kind of thing. So yeah, um, that was kind of transformational mindset shifts for me. Cool. Those are both really great books and definitely how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie is a book that you could listen to like once a year or read once a year. There's principles in there that are timeless and who not how great book on, on really just delegating, getting things off of your plate so you can do more and do the things that you're good at. I agree with both of those. So you get my stamp of approval. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) so what is a boring fact about you boring fact the only thing that came to comes to mind (laughs) i get made fun of for it all the time for as long as i can remember but i am not a cheese person (laughs) i don't like cheese it took me it it took me until college to eat pizza because it just kind of grossed me out and i think it was because (laughs) when i was you know, single digits years old, I was at a babysitter and I was force fed Vita slices and it just became a, you know, I don't want it. That's gross. And who eats it, that? It's <laughs> not me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably more now it's more of a, just, I've made it this far. I'm going to stick my flag in. I'm going to die on this hill. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah but I don't like cheese. <laughs> well, cheese is delicious. I like pizza now though. There are pizzas oh, okay. I like definitely, but I put other stuff on it now to make it palatable. Oh, uh-huh. To get over the cheese. <laughs> yes. Well, to, okay. I'll give you this, that cheese this isn't, isn't very good for you. So at least There's you're that. health conscious. I think studies have been shown it's very drug-like for people. So good for you being sober off of cheese. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what's next for Scott <clears throat> Jacobson? My goals for 2023, well, I mentioned that I'm I'm working actively now on the like GP, the gender partnership side to, to scale up my investments, my active investments through multifamily specifically is the goal. And one of the, the main goals I've set for 2023 is to get better at educating those around me kind of within my sphere, within my circle and trying to branch out from that as well to, again, educate others of that this world even exists. And I, I don't mean that in a, or I don't say that in a disparaging way, but so just until I was told about it, I didn't know it existed. And since then, it, like I said, it's, it's kind of changed my investing life, certainly, and some of my, my family's financial trajectory. So my goal for 2023 is to expand that, to try to bring that into the forefront of more people's minds so that they can see if it, it works for them and their family. So. That's beautiful. I love that. And you had mentioned before we hopped on that you're actively working on a deal. You don't have to give me the details, but just, uh, you know, it sounds like you're already getting things in motion. Yes. Had two or three so far deals under contract and have closed within this program, which has been fantastic for me. It's a great learning experience and it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. There's, there's a lot more to it and it takes a team, which is another thing that I've had to kind of get my mind around is everything else that I've done has pretty much been just me. So kind of another kind of brain reshift, I guess, to, to working with a team. And, and that's so important. And, and the the bigger, larger scale, the world is is having a great team around you. So that's, it's been a lot of fun meeting some incredible people and getting to work with some incredible people. That in has that been a 
a challenge for you going from being a single <clears throat> operator all of this time to now relying on a team? Not as much as I thought, to be honest, because mainly because I've been able to to, to meet and, and work with some amazing people that have been willing to, to, to share with me and to help me learn and grow from them. And also just people that are a similar mindset of, again, the abundance mindset of, hey, let's let's go out and do big things together. Let's let's both win. Not to, if you win, I have to lose. So it, it's been really fun. That is really cool. Yeah. When you're working with cool people, it makes it a lot easier, <clears throat> I suppose. Absolutely. So where can people get more information <clears throat> about you or investing with you in upcoming deals or get more information also on the Sun Foundation? Good question. I'd love to share. I'll start with myself. So the company is called Onward Equity and the website is Onward hyphen equity. Unfortunately, without the hyphen was taken. Okay. <laughs> uh, so onward hyphen equity.com. And uh, I will share actually just finished and made active on the website, an ebook or a guide that I wrote that's specifically geared towards those who are thinking about or want to learn more about passively investing. So it's a, it's a guide to syndications or passively investing. And what I think are the top 10 reasons why someone should consider being a passive investor in real estate. So it's right on the website. If you go to that and then some foundation, I would love it. If anyone were interested in learning more about that organization, it's Sun Foundation Indy. So S-O-N Sun Foundation Indy, which is I-N-D-Y.org. <clears throat> And if anyone's near Indianapolis coming up March 4th, we have a, a, a 10-year anniversary gala, big celebration we're hoping to have downtown Indianapolis. So come join us in person. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And you'll have information on that on your website, I'm assuming. I'm pretty sure you go to the website and it, it pops up. You can't miss it. Okay. Perfect. Great. So contact you onward equity. Dot com, where we can find your ebook that you just finished with the top 10 reasons why somebody would invest as a limited partner in syndications. And the Sun Foundation is sunfoundationindy.org. And on March, March 4th, you're having a big celebration to celebrate your 10 years. Did I get everything? You got everything. Perfect. Great. And you, no social media handles? You're not on it? I'm on Facebook, but just myself. Okay. <laughs> Scott Jacobs and I... I I need to get better. Probably should get better. I'm not a social media kind of person yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, maybe someday when you you expand the reach even more, but no, no rush on that. Yeah, so baby steps. Thank you so much, Scott. This has been really fun and a deep dive into your background and who you are, what makes you, you. And I've really appreciated this time that you've shared with me and the listeners. So this has been, this has been a treat. Thank you so much. I had tons of fun. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, that is it for our interview with Scott Jacobson with Onward Equity. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I had a really great time interviewing him and I'm so grateful for him giving us our time. So if you enjoyed this episode, definitely like, follow, subscribe, send it to a friend, share the knowledge. And if possible, please leave a five-star review so that we can be bumped up in the magic algorithms and reach more people to help more people focus on finances, invest in real estate and move towards financial freedom. Nothing would make me happier than to help more people with that. 
So if you are interested in being a guest on the show, or you just have some feedback for me, definitely check out our show's website, obsessedwithrealestateshow.com. And you can also find our resources there under the resources tab, their affiliate links that will take you to buy the book on Amazon. And that would be supporting the show. So I would much appreciate that. Also, if you are interested in future investments with me and Clear Connection Capital, go to clearconnectioncapital.com where you can sign up to be an investor, learn a little bit more about multifamily syndications and what we do, as well as, you know, sign up on our list. When the next opportunity comes, I can, we can chat about it. It may work for you. It may not, but it's real estate. And if you're obsessed, like I am, you'll just want to talk about it regardless if you invest or not, it'd be nice to connect. So check that out. That's clearconnectioncapital.com. And if you Anytime, want to reach out and say hi to me on Instagram. I'd love that. Alana George underscore real estate. And I will see you on the next episode.